The Wiser Podcast. Conversations, public talks, and audio essays from the Witz Institute for Social and Economic Research. Hello, I'm Cizwe Mpofu-Walsh, and welcome to The Wiser Podcast. Today, we launch Season 4 of our podcast series. We are delighted that previous seasons of The Wiser Podcast have attracted over 17,000 listeners. We hope you'll keep listening, and we welcome new listeners and invite them to try our earlier series. Season 4 will encompass a range of podcast formats. We begin with event podcasts. So much is happening in South Africa and beyond, and we want to capture some of the conversations going on at Wiser in its online platforms. The season will include edited event versions of these debates. We open with three of them. Season 4 will also include more regular 28-minute features on a particular theme or concept or dimension of our researchers' ongoing work. Finally, Wiser's 20th anniversary happens in the midst of Season 4 and will include several commemorative podcasts to mark the occasion. So, as you can hear, we're using our platform to bring you a range of formats and occasions for thinking and it is certain to be a varied and engaging listen each week from today until late October. In today's podcast, the first of two and possibly more entitled Uprising in South Africa, we tackle the events that took place in July in this country, especially in the provinces of KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng, and have variously been called riots, insurrection and unrest. This event, chaired by Shirin Hasim, features Itumeleng Mahabane of Brunswick Group, Glenn Robbins of the Toyota Vessels Institute, and Tinan Zor of the Public Affairs Research Institute. Throughout this conversation, reference will be made to a video. For background, Ryan Brunette's short video presentation stressed the long history of political violence and organization in KwaZulu-Natal and the ways they have shaped the current crisis. He points to a pattern of small-scale warlordism that grew out of the conflict between the IFP and the UDF in the 1980s and 90s and expanded into the branch-level conflicts of the ANC in the 2000s. It is these forms of localized violence, he claims, and coercion that have been particularly exploited by individuals and organizations struggling to control local transport networks and long-distance trucking. He suggests they have also provided discontented Zuma-aligned elements within the ANC in the province with paramilitary resources required to attack key points of infrastructure and the economy. So, to get to the themes of this panel, I I think for those of us who are very attached to KwaZulu-Natal, we've long commented on the way in which that region is both central to national politics and yet mostly ignored or misunderstood in the commentary, commentary um, of the national newspapers and the, the political analysts. In fact, Cape Town is much more likely to be featured um, as the space for uh, national political analysis that engagement between that province and the center uh, than is KwaZulu-Natal. Um, yet it, it actually is a central uh, province for many reasons, which we'll, exp- we'll, we'll draw out um, today. And this uh, uh, 
July uprising, I'm not sure how quite how to name it, uh, for people living in that region, is not, uh, it's not surprising that it happened there, uh, that it happened there in the ways in which it did, um, and at the scale that it did, because KwaZulu-Natal is also a particularly violent uh, province. Um, it, uh, I think most commentators will agree that it's the most significant protest since 1994 in its implications, in the scale of it, in the loss of human lives, which uh, as Toomey continually reminds us is not taken seriously enough. Over 300 people lost their lives in the space of those few days. Um, several lost their lives as a result of racist vigilante action, um, including vigilante action by racist Indians. Um, the economic impact has been uh, utterly devastating and the scale of it is laid out well in Ryan's uh, little introduction to this discussion. Um, and you know, while there's been a huge amount of debate about how to name and characterize uh, those few days uh, of uprising, for us, I think on the panel, we're interested um, in thinking beyond the characterization to understanding what the underlying patterns were and to, under, uh, to, to beginning to explore you know, what will persist even if you had better policing, even if you had some kind of you know, short-term resolution to this moment of crisis. Um, so I'm going to open by asking uh, the panelists to reflect on Ryan's uh, wonderful and rich characterization of the state as this kind of bricolage uh, of institutions and patterns that are inherited from the past that interlock with new forms and, and create seem to create new openings, but using similar kinds of uh, patterns and that are so different from the imagined democratic state of the constitution. So I want to open that by asking Itumeleng Mahabani uh, perhaps to kick off with his responses. South Africa's democratic project may be in trouble. Um, perhaps it's even against the ropes, but it's standing on two feet. Uh, and, and I'm sure there'll be people who who, who, who disagree with me uh, during this. But what I'd like to suggest is that as far as I'm aware, I'm not sure that there's anyone who's suggesting uh, or proposing um, that the events from July imply that there are actors who are seeking to bring about an end to our democratic project, right? To serve as democratic project. Now, clearly our democracy is challenged in a variety of different ways, but I think one of the things that's really worth reflecting on here is that in a sense, the irony is that the conflict itself, um, you could credibly argue is in fact um, a reflection of the fact that, you know, on the whole, people are still choosing to be bound and, you know, just in terms of political contestation, uh, in terms of um, the mediation around social order, people are still choosing to be bound by the democratic project, right? And, and those institutional arrangements um, in the sense that even though this was a reaction to uh, a political actor being sanctioned um, by judicial institutions, the act itself was nothing that has happened and nothing that has been suggested so far suggests that people are doing anything other than kind of voicing a, a, a trying to sort of tactically um, <clears throat> uh, 
fight for for their principle. But but on the whole, you know, people are still choosing um, to accept this framework, and that's what the actors and that's what the provocateurs. If we think about the some of the other participants, particularly uh, the poor people who joined in the support as well. Again, I would argue that one of the things that is that is peculiar and interesting about South Africa, when, when we think about the socioeconomic conditions of the country, actually the democratic project should be on its knees. If we think about the socioeconomic uh, conditions and then we think about the political uh, dimensions, including the, the, the internal contestations into what I increasingly call a syndicate rather than a political party. <clears throat> it's an extraction syndicate. It's not really a political party anymore. So if you think about the dynamics within this extraction syndicate and you think about socioeconomic conditions, it, you know, often when I read, when I, when I, I was reading uh, um, William Shorkey's piece in the New York Times, for example, where he said, is South Africa, I forget the headline. You know, when you read that intro and you read the, the sort of statistics that people like him uh, raise, unemployment at 32%, um, uh, hunger, stalking the land, uh, inequality, the worst inequality in the world, <clears throat> et cetera. Outside of South Africa, these are conditions that actually uh, would result in a democratic project being on its knees. <clears throat> and yet in South Africa, you know, and we could quibble about this. Yes, there are people who are choosing not to kind of participate in the vote. And at the moment, you know, there are probably more uh, people choosing not to vote than choosing to vote for the ANC, for example. But on the whole, again, even, you know, on the whole, you don't get a sense of South Africans rejecting the democratic project. And that's, you know, and that's fascinating and that's encouraging, right? Because I think <clears throat> with all the problems that we have, <clears throat> it means that we still, you know, outside of, aside from a bunch of people in Cape Town, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, no one is basically suggesting it's time to kind of unravel this whole thing. Uh, no one is saying it's time to secede. Uh, even the actors about where we're talking about who, who could quite, quite legitimately think about leveraging uh, a regional power base, you know, aren't trying to unravel this project. As I say, it is just a bunch of loonies in Cape Town who really at this point are saying, we want to kind of go off on our own and do our own thing. No one is suggesting that they want to change how we choose governments. Uh, and even in this fight to kind of help this person, uh, you know, no one is suggesting they want to change their constitutional arrangements, <clears throat> et cetera. This isn't to suggest that there aren't authoritarian tendencies that have crept up, but I think it is actually important uh, as, as a narrative uh, um, continues about insurgency that we remember that actually, the one thing we have in a world in which democratic projects are collapsing is for whatever peculiar reason, that we have a, a situation in which everybody fundamentally is still willing to kind of participate in this project. What does it mean then to think about the one thing that is not intact, which is the project of state formation? Because, and that's really what I think is the issue here is that the problem that we have is a problem of state formation and not one of democracy. Even with these actors, no one is trying to kind of unravel the state that gives them us the opportunity to think about how do we restructure ourselves as a polity and how do we restructure our process of state formation? Thanks to me, that, that's, that's great. And a, a great moment for Glenn to come in because Glenn, looking at it from your perspective, um, do, you, do, you think, uh, you know, do you think the cities of Durban and Peter Maritzburg, for example, as local state, 
um, you know, are, are they are they on their because are they on their feet? If the democratic project writ large is not on its feet, are, are these cities still standing? In, in some ways, um, you know, Etagueni is still on its feet. It's able to kind of offer a relatively coherent and kind of um, mostly well, sort of decently managed, but uh, highly kind of inadequate sort of services. Uh, Msunduzi, uh, Peter Maritzburg is in far deeper uh, trouble um, and um, is really, um, and has been for, for more than a, a decade, just getting worse and worse. And, um, you know, reading um, Ryan's previous work and having a few chats with him over the years and, and listening to, to um, the little video clip that he, that he put together, I was thinking about this term of of these um, uh, kind of political um, uh, machines. Um, uh, I know that uh, uh, Tim uh, Gibb, who writes at Oxford and been doing work on transport, also sort of talks about the kind of Tammany Hall system that uh, he's seen operating in 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 Durban and 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 in other places where there's been kind of a um, a process to try and build um, kind of regimes of accumulation within the state or alongside the state. And, you know, I think what we've moved from in these local environments is that from a period where there was almost a sort of a, a progression of from one relatively stable regime to another in our cities, they... Um, but over time, they've sort of lost their capacity to kind of cohere the uh, processes. And, and I think that what that's done is it's forced um, people within those re regimes and around them to try and uh, build networks and new alliances. And, um, and it's opened up opportunities for people who see the chance to um, kind of uh, start to con consume bits of the state uh, and to uh, disable it for one or other other purpose, and I and I think you know if you look at at these local governments, they have uh, periodic you know regular changes in mayors. They can't appoint city managers. They uh, in and out of administration. Um, you know, Itagueni still kept out of the worst of that, but in part because it's a sort of a it's a jewel in the ANC's kind of local government crown in many ways. And I think there's a lot of tolerance of of, of mis, misdeeds in, in the city. And the political structures are so contested and so fragmented in many ways that there isn't, there's no center kind of attempting to pull it together, even if that center is, doesn't have a particular interest uh, uh, in serving the poor or serving the majority of, 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 of citizens. Um, even the center to try and enable kind of some regime of accumulation isn't isn't there. And so what that means is there's so much contestation even in that world. You know, we have now recently um, seen, you know, communities and the civil society organizations, even these um, associations, these ratepayers associations taking, you know, um, their own responsibility 
of um, delivering services as a result of local government failures in order to do so. Um, we've seen that with, with Katleng uh, municipality in the Northwest, we've seen that with Makana in the Eastern Cape and now um, even the municipality um, in the Free State, uh, Maluti Apofong communities had now also started to, to, to pick up this, this, um, this practice of seeking interventions via the courts. You know, as much as we, we may criticize that, that position, because at the end of the day, what you're saying, Shireen, is relevant. Uh, if we're going to have this proliferation of small little enclaves in communities um, taking over the functions of local government at the at the end of the day that actually now starts to you know to bring up issues around the legitimacy of local government um, if whether really local government is a sphere of government that is needed after all and this also takes us back to our decentralization system as well because as much as yes um, court systems in south africa are part and parcel of the organs of the state where citizens can tap on in terms of using them as a way of, of enforcing um, government to carry out their responsibility. But at the end of the day, we also have a constitution that is based on decentralization and South Africa has always been, um, you know, the beacon of, um, of hope for other African countries so, such as Malawi and, and Tanzania where I've previously worked on where our decentralized system has really been well commended. But now there seems to be a breakdown of our decentralized system. And it's not only just breaking down through um, the expression of um, service delivery protests and also taking local government to court. But again, there's also the breakdown of, of political representation because we have a system where councillors are supposed to represent the interest of their, of their communities and provide accountability and oversight, but they're not doing that. And as a result, for the past few months, th thanks to COVID-19, we are able to, you know, to watch um, parliamentary co committees online. I've seen so many municipalities being uh, brought into parliament under the the committee for, uh, for cooperative governance to answer certain issues that have not been answered in terms of accountability where certain levels of corruption where certain levels of of maladministration have not been resolved in those councils in fact some of these councils have actually become worse over time so now they have been summoned you know to you know to um to to answer to parliament and that's not supposed to be happening in a decentralized system Councillors are the ones who are supposed to be providing oversight over the administration. Again, that's another indicator which really questions um, the, 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 the strength of our decentralization system. And also looking at our administrative capacity, um, you know, the, the, the politics of, 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 of state capacity is something that we cannot overlook as what Ryan had reflected the patronage system and has, has really interlocked into the bureaucracy of local government where you have these political appointments that have been happening that have overlooked the merit-based system. Um, of course, uh, we, we can't run away from the fact that we, we, we've got a complex system of, of, of having a partisan bureaucracy that has emerged post-1994, which was given birth by, by um, both um, the, the, um, the former um, apartheid regime and also um, the ANC when it returned um, from exile and, and started to, you know, to go through a process of reforming the state through 
the, the appointment of, of loyal ANC members. But again, it has had a negative ripple effect. So that ripple effect has also really knocked very hard on our decentralization system. So just linking it back to what um, Itumeleng it, it, it was, uh, was actually commenting about, uh, about the, 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 the democratic project in South Africa where where it seemed as if like democratic con uh, consolidation through these decentralized systems has had actually um, brought about, you know, the formation, the, the, the end of a state formation post-apartheid. While in that sense, one can actually say that um, maybe some of these indica indicators that we are seeing right now um, imply that, you know, there isn't a linear path towards um, democratic consolidation and state formation. Maybe this is a process in which we should understand that um, there is an ongoing process of, of, of making and remaking, you know, the, the state. So it's not an end. It's something that is going to be continuous. And, and really, the South African local government state will be at a position where it will be tested, especially um, since we'll be going through um, through a process of preparing for the next local government elections, because the, the, the predictions of that, um, the outcomes of those elections might not look good. Ryan, you've been silent. We've been invoking your uh, thoughts all the time. Do you want to say a word or two just to wrap this up before we address the questions? Yeah, you know, large, large chunks of South Africa exist in a state of emergency, right? Uh, a kind of state of exception is another thing that people call it, um, uh, where, where, you know, they're, they're kind of governed by discretion um, uh, rather than by law uh, and so on and so forth. Um, uh, and it's been like that for a very long time. Uh, you know, in some places, um, it's kind of like always been like that, you know, kind of always since colonialism, like, you know, spaces were formed where there was very limited policing um, or, or at least not the kind of policing no, not, not what we usually kind of associate with kind of like police by law. Um, uh, so, you know, policing of crime um, understood as kind of like uh, interpersonal crime and so on, but rather, you know, policing uh, as, a, as an act of kind of domination of, uh, you know, of the state kind of like imposing its will and uh, imposing order and so on. Uh, this is kind of like governance by exception. Um, and, and so the base on which one can kind of build a state is ultimately, you know, while it's kind of there, it's simply not organized, right? And we, you know, this goes back to what Kira said, which is that, like, you know, we, we often think about this thing as something that's happening out there, right? Like, uh, beyond us, and we analyze, and we, you know, the, the middle class pontificates and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, what's not happening is organizing. Um, and what's certainly not happening is any kind of real strategic debate about how to address the situation. 